0: Well, it is good to worship with you, brothers and sisters. Being a faithful follower of Christ is a supernatural endeavor. We are not called to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps to make our lives better. We will not see our hearts softened, lives lived for Jesus, and real and lasting change from simple human effort. That is not Christianity. It is also not the formula we use as we consider our current sermon series on the character of the church. Whether it's how we gather, scatter, are spirit-driven, or how our shepherds lead, none of these portraits are the product of human cunning. The character of the church, when it aligns itself with the scriptures, is the direct result of the gospel of Jesus as the Spirit of God changes the body of Christ. He enables us to be faithful and true, not according to what we think the church should be, but according to the testimony of scripture. And it's on that we find ourselves this morning, considering our passage 2 Timothy, three fourteen through four five. If you have a copy of the scriptures, I'll ask that you grab that. And if you don't have a copy of the scriptures, we have Bibles in the entryway as you come in. Feel free to take one; that's a gift to you. And our sermon title this morning is "The Word, the Word-Based Church." You can tell a lot of any church by their relationship to the scriptures. And here are the questions we, as faithful followers, churches at large, and those considering Christianity, these are questions we all wrestle with. Can I trust God's word? Is what I read in the scriptures true? Can these words in this ancient book actually change anything? The main idea I'd like for us to understand, and not just understand, the main idea I'd like for us to cling to, to declare in our own lives is this, we will trust his word to do the work. His word will do the work. Now, our passage finds itself in what many call one of the pastoral epistles, it's a letter written from the Apostle Paul to his friend and mentee, Timothy. A letter that serves as an encouragement to a pastor, but also for the instruction of the church. We read in chapter 1 that Timothy had a sincere faith passed down from godly women in his life. And he is encouraged to guard the truth of the gospel. Well, in chapter 2, he is like he used to be like a soldier or a farmer or an athlete who is strengthened by grace and keeps the main thing, Christ Jesus, the main thing. He is to remind the people of the gospel to be diligent and to avoid time, you and I should do this as well, to avoid time and energy spent on worthless and trivial concerns. So as we come to chapter 3 in our passage, we are right off the heels of Paul, Paul's reminder that there will always be some people who love self and deny the gospel. There will always be some measure of opposition and even persecution. There will always be imposters and deceivers. There will always be circumstances, even in our own lives, that color how we understand the world and even God. So what do we do? What are we to do? Well, allow me first to point out where Paul doesn't advise Timothy toward. We're not directed to consult our inner feelings and thoughts. Although there can be a place and a help in these, it's not suggested that we devour self-help books and the academics of our day. He doesn't even tell Timothy necessarily to go back. And get wise opinions from his grandmother and mother who were godly, well-informed women. And we should, Lakewood, we should readily admit that wisdom for life can be found in a number of places. However, Paul puts Timothy and us on the course to going to the scriptures first and foremost. Why? Well, we can dissect this passage a number of ways, but would you read with me, please, in chapter 3, starting in verse 14? We'll go through verse 5, and Paul says this But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Fulfill your ministry. Well, we jump right into the middle of Paul's thought, and just so you're aware, chapter divisions aren't inspired. So we jump right into the middle of Paul's thought here, and we consider three reasons why we can can trust God's Word, the Scriptures, to do work. Well, the first thing I'd point out is the Scriptures change the heart. Give this directly from verses 14 and 15. See, in contrast to those who are being deceived and deceiving others, Paul says to young Timothy continue, continue, continue in what you have known from these sacred writings. It's that phrase, sacred writings. You may have a translation that says holy writings. That phrase, sacred writings, really pops off the page. It's a shorthand way to refer to cherished, divine, religious, revered writings of the Scriptures. Which aren't just the newer apostolic writings that we understand to be the New Testament, but the Old Testament, the writings of which Timothy learned from. And as already mentioned, these sacred and holy writings were something Timothy's grandmother and mother taught him. That's probably the whom in verse 14. Of course, we can make an educated guess as to the learning Timothy had under Paul as well. Paul meets, if you remember, Paul meets Timothy in Acts 16. And Timothy is described as the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And that's an Eastern way to say that Timothy's dad wasn't a believer. He wasn't a faithful follower of Christ. But did you notice that last phrase in verse 15? Look at it again. The sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What did those scriptures do? They made Timothy wise, understanding, knowledgeable, and aware of his flawed nature, his rebellion, what we call sin. And those sacred writings showed him the beauty of a Savior, the one who offers forgiveness and restoration and right standing with God. The scriptures, if we will read them and search them, plainly reveals to us hope, joy, true satisfaction by faith and faith alone in Christ alone. But think for a moment and let your mind enter into the narrative Of Timothy's life. Timothy's mother and grandmother are Jewish. His father is Greek. Now, we don't know the circumstances, but his parents married despite their religious differences. It's like a Packers fan and a Vikings fan getting married. Like, I don't know how it works, but like they get married despite that. And in in a bigger way, in a much more consuming way in their life, you have a Jewish woman, a believer in Christ, in the Savior, and a non-believer. And that likely caused some waves in a Jewish family. As a Greek, his father may have been uninterested or unconvinced, perhaps not present in Timothy's religious upbringing. So I imagine a pregnant mother praying that her son would trust and honor God. And as her son is born, she gives him the name Timothy, a Greek name like his father, but a name that means God's honor. Praying that this baby boy would honor God with his life. So what do mom and grandma do? They open up the sacred writings, likely taking him to synagogue to hear the scriptures read. They told him bedtime stories of historical accounts of the exodus and God saving Israel. They explained the prophets, humanity's natural rebellion perhaps, and God's kind promises to offer restoration and forgiveness. This mom would probably sing bedtime stories and teach Timothy to read with Psalm 119. And she would ask her mom to help to raise a boy to know God. And Timothy knew God, not just in mind, but experience. He was a faithful follower of Christ. What accomplished that? What produced that? Did Lois and Eunice have the corner on perfect religious parenting? They read all the right books, perhaps? Did they have all the answers? Did this mom and grandma have all the answers to young Timothy's questions? Was it the schooling option they chose for their child? Well, they must have put Timothy in all the right sports programs, carefully vetted his friend groups, and protected and, you know, kept his screen time limited. Parents, maybe we should be doing some of these things. But what was it that changed a boy's heart to know, to love, and to live for God? Verse 15. These sacred writings, the scriptures that make you wise. As we read in Hebrews, the scriptures, the word of God is like a two-edged sword that is able to pierce the heart and the mind and to make us wise. Wise as, as to who God is. Who we are, that vast difference in our need for a Savior. The scriptures did this. So did Timothy hear the sacred writings every night? I don't know. Maybe mom and grandma were as inconsistent as we are. But we know he learned and firmly believed what two women faithfully showed him. God in the scriptures that should give us great hope are you the only parent pointing your kid to Christ that's okay because the scriptures change the heart go to the scriptures did you grow up like me perhaps in a non-religious home that's okay go to the scriptures they change a heart have you been unable to speak the truth convincingly to a friend perhaps take him to the scriptures are you perplexed by large questions of life and eternity this morning as you consider christianity go to the scriptures Do you want clarity on who God is and where your true identity is found? My friends, the scriptures. The scriptures give us wisdom and insight into these matters. God has not left us hanging to figure out this world by ourselves. He has given us a word, a writing, a revelation of who he is and how he has worked through all of human history. So whether it's ourselves, our children, our neighbors, our co-workers, extended family, people attending Lakewood Church, it's the word of God. It's the scriptures that change the heart. Oh, that takes so much pressure off of us, off of me, off of parents, often off of many of you whom you would like to influence people you love and care for towards Christ. Take them to the scriptures. Because like young Timothy, it's the scriptures that change. It's the truth of God, the gospel of Christ that changes our hearts. But I want us to notice next, it's not just our hearts that change, it's the church that changes. This is right from verses 16 and 17. Now, these verses are probably the most well-known in our passage and in the letter as a whole, maybe some of the most well-known verses in the New Testament. In these verses, there is seemingly a description of what these scriptures are and what they do. So the phrase we read in these verses, this first phrase, quite literally says, all scripture is god breathed. God breathed. You may have a translation uh, that says inspired. That's a more common English word, but it's not a helpful word, inspired. And I'll give you an example. When I watch the Masters Golf Tournament every year, I feel inspired. I pull out my golf clubs and I put divots all over my front yard. My wife loves that. But that is not... The kind of inspiration, and really it's an unhelpful word, that Paul is referring to. Rather, using men as instruments, as we read in 2 Peter 1, God breathed out his words, he gave us his words, they originate from him. That's the claim of the scriptures, both Old and New Testament. So think of the creation account in Genesis 1, where God breathed, he speaks the world into existence with his words. God breathed. Or Exodus 20. Many of you mistakenly call the Ten Commandments the Ten Commandments. It's not actually the Ten Commandments. It's the ten words in Exodus 20. The ten words which God breathed, spoke. So the scriptures claim to be God breathed, originated words, From his very lips. But if that's what the scripture is, what does the scripture do? I get that it's what God uses to change my heart as I trust in him. But what about after? What about after God changes my heart? I trust in the gospel of Jesus, but then how does God use his word then? Like on a Monday morning when I'm dealing with kids and marriage and job and circumstances and old age and... Inflation, you know, have you seen how much bacon costs? What does the Word of God do after, like in my day to day life? Quite simply, He uses the Scriptures to change the church, the body of Christ, those who claim to be faithful followers of Christ. So, this is one of our core values to be shaped by biblical living. Paul says that the Scriptures are profitable in our text. Well, another way to say that is, it is to your advantage. The scriptures are to your advantage. If you read it, believe it, and live it. The advantages of the scriptures in your life are laid out pretty simply and clearly in our verses. They seem to promise that we will see change in our, as some people put it, in our doctrine and in our conduct. We will be trained in both head and heart. We will know end act. Because Christianity has always been a belief that sees our faith put the action. So look at it again. Verse 16 and 17. The God-breathed scriptures are profitable to your advantage because they teach. They teach us what we must believe. Well, they reprove. They don't just teach us. They reprove our erred beliefs. Correction, they correct our wrong actions. Training, they train and educate us in what God-honoring living looks like. That is why the scriptures are an advantage to you. They are profitable to you. And it produces, verse 17 says, a completeness for humanity an equipping of every man, woman, and child who belongs to God to be changed continually and faithfully by God as they read and live this word. Those are some lofty claims. The word of God can do all that? So here's my pushback. Well, not my pushback, but rather, here's the experience of every kid in this room every teenager trying to figure it out, every adult who strains to be faithful to read the Word of God. Here's the -the boots-on-the-ground reality of this verse. Those are big claims. You and I will read the sacred writings, we'll read the Scriptures that promise to change us, the Scriptures that claim to be profitable to our advantage. We read them, or we try to read them, and... Nothing happens. Why? You read and you pray and you read and you read and you read and you read and and you're still wrestling with the same things. Your marriage still looks like this. You're still battling this physical ailment. Nothing happens. Again, brothers and sisters, the Christian life is a supernatural one. You cannot will yourself to be changed by the Scriptures. It is the work of the Spirit of God in your life. It cannot be manufactured or manipulated. So here's my advice. It's actually not my advice. It's from Proverbs 30. We read, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him, the scriptures say. Lakewood, shield yourselves. Find a refuge, a safe haven, a source of delight and truth in God's word. Read it. Read it. Allow it to do its work and change you whether it be in conversation with my own children or even as I plead to my own heart on a dreary Monday morning, and I try to read, I often say in those conversations, be like the farmer. Now, there's an inside joke there I can't get into about planting corn, but I'd love to tell you someday. And I don't think anyone here would mistake me for a farmer. How dare you? But consider... Consider how the farmer tills the soil, plants the corn, and prayerfully waits for the rain to come and the fruit of his labor to be seen at harvest time. So it is with the word of God. So it is with the word of God. Read. Allow the word of God and prayer to till the soil of your heart. Plant the kernel of corn, the truth of God's word in you. Keep reading and praying and planting because the rain will come. The fruit of your labor will be seen. And, And there are seasons, am I right? Yeah, there are seasons. Does the reading of Scripture seem dry? Nothing is happening, no sprout, no growth, nothing amazing today? Okay, I'm not the only one then. There are seasons. Keep reading. Because whether it's the next day or in the weeks, months, and years ahead, you will, you will experience Great times of rain and growth. You will see God at work. Don't read and plant and nothing sprouts that moment and you leave discouraged. Be patient. Trust him to do his work. When you read, focus on who God is rather than yourself. And as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 3... As we behold his glory, as we see his glory in his word, his beauty, his character, his working, we ourselves, as we behold that glory, are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. The scriptures are profitable and to your advantage. They teach us about God and self. They align our thoughts and actions to Christ. And they train us to be like Christ. They reveal his character and glory. The scriptures will change faithful followers of Christ. They will change you. They will change the church. The scriptures change not just our hearts at salvation, not just the church, but also the world. The world. In chapter 4 here, verses 1 through 5. Paul makes a charge to Timothy. We don't like charges. We like recommendations. Oh, would you please consider? Would you? Oh, can you do this and this? You know, you know we, these passive-aggressive Minnesota ways of ours. But Paul comes in and he goes, I charge you. He makes a charge to Thim, uh, Timothy because there is real judgment that is coming. There are people out there who are living, living life the best that they can living life the best that they can, but they don't know God. They haven't trusted in his gospel. So Paul says, preach. Preach in and out of season. He's not saying we preach in the spring and we don't preach in the summer. Just so you know, by the way, we have an announcement that programming ends May 22nd. There may not be Sunday school or Wednesday night in the summer, but you know Christians don't take the summer off, right? Like we proclaim Jesus All year around. So those hours that you would have to go to Sunday school, to go to Wednesday night, leverage those hours with no programming and have a barbecue at your place and invite your neighbors over. Go to a park with some friends. Build relationships and talk and live and proclaim Jesus. So our summers, they're not just to get some time off for our volunteers. Thank you, by the way. But our summers are a unique opportunity to engage the Brainerd Lakes area. Don't waste your summer. It's a great opportunity. We preach in and out of season. None of that was in my notes, but I just thought I just had to say that. So more literally, whether, not in and out of season, whether it's a good time or an inconvenient time, Paul tells Timothy to proclaim the scriptures with patience. Patience. They don't get it. They're not where you are. It doesn't click. They're struggling with sin. Patience. Patience. Your frustration will not speed anyone along in their growth in Christ. But why proclaim the scriptures? This phrase at the beginning of verse 3, for the time is coming, it isn't, it's not some prediction about reading news headlines and knowing if Jesus is coming this election cycle. If you read that into the verse, you're ignoring the context and the message of Paul's letter. Paul tells Timothy quite literally, proclaim the scriptures at good and bad times because... The time of itching ears, chasing ungodly passions, turning from the truth, wandering off into myths, it is coming. It's coming to you, Timothy, and guess what? It did come to Timothy. It did come to that pastor, and it has come as we see it today. As both Paul and the writer of Hebrews says, we are in the last days. They said it 2,000 years ago. We are in the last days of Jesus and his salvation. Timothy lived in the same broken, wandering, lost world that we do now. Now, perhaps they didn't have the advent of social media to let us know all the variations of how it's manifested. But for over 2,000 years, the New Testament church has always known this reality, and we will until the day Jesus returns. So what does Paul tell Timothy to do? What is Timothy to do? People have itching ears. He lives in a world and a culture that thinks, lives, and breathes and operates contrary to those sacred writings. What should Timothy do? Complain. That's what he should do. He should complain. Oh, he should judge. He should judge them. He should send out angry tweets. That'd be good. No, uh, my Bible says that Paul tells him to preach the word. Have a ministry that centers itself on the word of God. Proclaim Jesus. Tell a lost world about the nature of God, the waywardness of man, and the rescue. The rescue of a Savior who died in place of sinners and rose again. Paul urges any reader to follow these words. If the scriptures can change our heart, if the scriptures can change the heart and the nature of our church, then surely the scriptures can change the world. So perhaps we should live and act in such a way that really believes that. Like Timothy, we will be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of 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 an evangelist, who lives and proclaims Jesus. The Word, we proclaim it because the Word changes things. This Word, as the Apostle John said, is not simply just some words on a page. It's the Word that became flesh, the God-man who wasn't content breathing out his words for you and I to read in an old book. But he came and lived and dwelled among us and provides to anyone here in this room. He provides to anyone here true life, joy, forgiveness, and a new heart sealed for a someday heaven. His word changes everything. Jesus changes the world, and it's what the world most desperately needs. And it's the one thing that can bring healing to the brokenness around us. Oh, he is good. He is good. He is good. And we will trust his word to do the work. Lakewood, can I encourage you? His word is working. His word is at work. Are you weighed down? Patience. His word is working. Do you see all the ways in which God's word is working in your life, in the hearts around you? No, no, we don't see. But we trust God and his promises. His word has been at work in your life in your family's life, in our church's life, and in the world around us. I am eager. I am eager to see how his word will change us. Aren't you? Don't you want that?